a quick disclaimer that I uh, neglected to, I guess, put in part one. I'm going to do it here in part two. Uh, please make sure you go listen to part one so this part makes sense. Um, but uh, the theories that you have heard and are about to hear uh, do just come from my own experience playing through Pokemon Legends Arceus along with any other accompanying game playing experience such as that of Diamond Pearl Platinum, um, uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl to a lesser degree, and even with the other early examples of other legendary Pokemon such as Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. All of the theories that you are hearing today in this episode. Um, uh, they just come strictly from the lab. So any other research I've obviously cited, but I haven't looked to other um, creators who have talked about these theories, who have theorized on Pokemon Legends Arceus and the rule of Arceus. I uh, went out of my way to make sure that I did not look um, at what anyone else has said. And the reason I'm bringing that up is I do not want to claim that I am the first to say any of this. I am just merely dumping out my theories and thoughts about Arceus as the creator of Pokemon. Um, so just keep that in mind for this episode as a whole. It's in two parts, obviously, but just keep that in mind. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, folks. Welcome to part two. Sorry about how long that first part went on for. It was definitely not my intention. It just kind of worked out that way. Um, but we're, we're in for a ride, folks. We're in for a ride. So the purpose of this section is this is kind of what I was implying. Uh, we're not so much implying. I was actually telling you that this is what was going to happen. But in part one, I said that I would present my initial theory, which is about the protagonist being coming from another universe. And as some quick recap, right? The protagonist has come from an alternate universe and Arceus has sent that protagonist over, you as the player, has sent you into this universe where Hisui is in danger of just not existing. Um, it'll, be ce it'll cease to exist because the legendary Pokemon in question will have the power to destroy it. Now, the thing is, is that um, the, like, there has to be a reason why a human was brought into this whole narrative, right? Now, I was also very confusingly playing around with the idea of, oh, well, this actually could have just been from the same timeline and Arceus is just sending you back in time to make sure what happens in Hisui just, that like the, the natural course of history leads to Pokemon and humans coexisting. That's the central problem here. But it's also important to ask, if Arceus is the creator Pokemon, it's the god Pokemon, it's omniscient, it's omnipotent, it's it's got all the power. And it's done so much in terms of how it's functioned as a creator, because by default, you know, Dialga, Palkia, Giratina, I would consider these Pokemon essentially to be almost like Arceus's first children or offshoots of it, the original three. And every other legendary Pokemon comes afterwards. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, and we are starting with these more spatial Pokemon, like, sorry, not spatial, that's not the right word, celestial Pokemon, in a way that slightly differs from Solgaleo and Lunala. So how Sol Solgaleo and Lunala would fit into this, for example, um, then those Pokemon being the solar cat and the lunar bat, respectively, they are also based off of heavenly bodies. Um, they still, like, you still needed this aspect of creation first. So I am making the argument that Dialga, uh, Palkia, Giratina, they, after Arceus, precede all other Pokemon. But the thing is, is that if Arceus has all this power, 
And as a Pokemon also has the ability to communicate with humans, transport a whole human to a completely different world type of thing. Because regardless of what's happening with the timelines and stuff, if this is in fact happening in one universe, in one timeline, um, you're still you're still being sent to a different world, right? Like if you if you um, if this were to happen in real life kind of thing, this would be the equivalent of being sent back to 16th century Japan. That's that's a long time ago. That's a completely different world than the current world that we have right now. So that would still be very much the case, but Arceus easily has the ability to do that. Um, I also feel kind of bad. If people do prefer the pronunciation of Arceus, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going with Arceus. I, I just have to, I don't know, it's, it's all I've known. Anyways, um, I also, <laughs> kind of just want to fun just this is a really funny funny aside to me when I did my little update episode I was not planning on doing this this just kind of happened out of nowhere but here we are anyways back on track for all of Arceus's power why does it need a 15 year old child to save the world it's a very perplexing question when I pose it that way right it's because it can't there's reasons Arceus is not using its power that it clearly has to stop this kind of calamity from hitting the Hisui region of this universe. It's not doing it, but not because it doesn't want to, it has to be because it can't. There's no other explanation, at least for me, why that's the case. And uh, the, the commentary that I have worked out um, and things like that, I'm gonna try and flesh that out more. So if Arceus's motivations is to save Hisui of this universe, um, and in order to do that, you need to enlist the help of a 15-year-old from a timeline slash universe um, slash world where Pokemon and humans successfully be like went on to coexist. If Arceus needed to go through that trouble and bring this child over to this world where that's clearly not happening, or there's a chance it might not, because remember, Pokemon tech, like Pokeball catching technology exists in Hisui and Pokemon Legends RCS. But the the notion of coexistence is still a very rough idea for Hisuians. Everyone's extremely ambivalent about the concept of it. And as you make more progress in the game and you catch more Pokemon, side quests emerge that deal with Pokemon either coming to help till the land. You know, you get like a like a Geodude to help you with uh, soiling the fields and stuff. Like those kind of quests start popping up more the more progress you make in the game because humans are learning to coexist with Pokemon. But that's part of the game's natural progression. So it's gonna happen anyway. But the point is, is that Arceus is not sure that that's going to happen. And that's why the game begins the way that it does with you getting transported to this other world. Um, so in terms of its motivations, what's driving this behavior that's also something we have to know in order to know its motivations, right? Because that, that's exactly what it is. If that's the end goal, then what's motivating that is its own inability to stop the calamity from happening. Arceus created monsters. That's what Arceus did. It itself, you could say, is a monster. And the, the humans in Pokemon Legends Arceus use that language. They describe Pokemon as monsters, not as creatures or just other friendly beings type of things. These are fearsome to them. But when I say monsters in this context, I mean that Arceus created beings beyond its own control. So while it very much is the trio master to Dialga Palkia and Giratina, the fact still stands that these are beings that developed on their own accord and now have their own powers associated with them and what they do with them 
is beyond Arceus's power. So Arceus may be omnipotent and it may reign over all Pokemon in, you know, the heavens type of thing, that kind of concept. But the fact is, is that it doesn't, it, it's not like whatever, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a word. It's not like genetically, biologically linked to these Pokemon it's created in a way that it can just like, almost like a mind control thing where it can just stop them from doing what they're doing if it's seen as something that's harmful or detrimental. It can't do that. No, because Dialga, Palkia, and Giratina have their own domains to govern. So I'm gonna get into some general commentary. Well, actually first I do wanna address appearances. So Arceus is a quadrupedal. It has this uh, kind of halo type design with green emeralds on it. It doesn't have uh, quite like, it has hooves technically, but they're more almost like not, I don't know how to describe it per se, but it's 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 very quadrupedal, almost a little bit horse-like even. Um, and it's got gold tips for hooves essentially. And its mane isn't really a mane, but almost like this long wisp. It doesn't have a mouth and its eye is encased in its, uh, its head is almost shaped like a bit of a helm. So its head is encased in that kind of outer wisp, if you will. Um, and it's got the white gray like color palette essentially. So there's not a whole lot going on with its with its colors, but the big thing is that it's quadrupedal. And Dialga, Palkia, Giratina all share that trait. Um, and they also kind of borrow specific elements of, uh, um, uh, what is it? Um, of Arceus's uh, design in a way. So. Dialga and Altered Form Giratina um, are both quadrupeds. Altered Form Giratina has more legs, but that also has to do with the black tendrils it has in its origin form. Like it, it has six legs because like for that reason. Um, but uh, Dialga, I don't know that it overtly borrows like um, an aspect of uh, um, what is it? Arceus. I don't know what, I don't know words. Arceus's design, but it has these like steel, um, kind of almost like flat, uh, blades sticking out from its back, which kind of is an imitation of the like halo design that Arceus has around its torso. Um, uh, and then Giratina's altered form, obviously it's the gold coloration on Giratina is pretty much the same as uh, Arceus's halo, if you will. Um, so there's that. Palkia is very like, is very theropod-like. So it on the surface, it doesn't really resemble uh, Arceus at all. Um, and the important thing to note here is that Dialga, Palkia, and Giratina's altered form, as we see them in the original Diamond and Pearl games, less so in Platinum, because we actually do get origin form Giratina in Platinum, um, is that these, this is like their, I would say like like Dialga and Palkia and how they appear in, in Diamond and Pearl respectively, and also in Platinum, that's their altered form. They're not officially called altered forms, but that is their altered form. And there is a reason for why that's, I, I believe there's a reason why they're not officially called altered forms, but it's like, 
basically their powers are being mediated and it affects their appearance i think like something to that that uh that degree some or something to that effect i think because there's origin palkia and there's origin dialga we get we get both those pokemon in the in pokemon legends arceus and of course those designs resemble arceus a heck of a lot more than their you know the forms that we know best because they both have uh you know designs that are reminiscent of their own associated stone and in, like encased around their body so dialga has these light blue, has a light blue diamond encased around its torso very similar to arceus's gold spiked halo design and then uh palkia's is like a purple uh circle so that's resembling the pearl so dialga's you know diamond pearl uh palkia's for pearl so uh, and Palkia still has its shoulder pads with the pearl embedded in it, and Dialga has a gigantic diamond in its neck for some reason. Um, don't know what's going on there. And the fan of steel blades on his back is is now blue, and instead it's it's much larger. Its hind legs greatly resemble Arceus's legs, although the front legs, that, that's a that's an interesting design. It's almost like it's like a weird. It's like a weird offshoot of what its legs end up looking like in its normal form, um, which is just much more proportioned because this is like its two front legs are humongous and then its hind legs are like really thin. And then a Palkia is a horse. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a horse. I don't know how else to say it. Um, but it's slightly different in the way that, of course, it's a horse, but it it's also much more proportioned so then it looks more like rcs just kind of by like not not by default i should say but just proportionally palkia looks like it i would say the common feature between origin palkia and origin dialga is their uh they both develop helms so they also lose a mouth um okay so something i wanted to mention is that just so we're clear i meant that like lose a mouth um, I think I just worded this really poorly and the fact that like I, I was just looking at the design so I didn't really think about this. I don't know why I feel the need to correct this, but uh, Dialga, Palkia, and Giratina, all in their respective origin forms, they still have mouths. They just resemble Arceus more because they develop like a crest or helm around their faces that kind of looks like what Arceus has going on. Um, that's essentially what I was trying to say, and I didn't do the best job, but now you know. Um, uh, I, this is a, a section where I'm talking about appearances and I felt the need to get the anatomy right. So now that that's cleared up, you can hear more about designs and stuff and look a lot more like Arceus on their face shape as well. Um, Arceus also, because of that helm shape, it actually points up so it almost it at a distance looks like cat ears i'm not gonna lie um but that kind of helm shape it has around its head again it points upwards dialga and palkia both have a version of that uh palkia's helm shape is much more prominent around its jaw um but it does have a crest kind of going on top of its head and then with dialga they're kind of like two pointed spires so that's cool now we get to origin form Giratina. It, talking about the appearances are important because the theme of Arceus also creating these three legendary Pokemon as an imitation of itself or as an offshoot of itself in a way that's reminiscent of what it looks like. That's, I think, important as well to a degree. Um, the thing with Giratina is it has the gold crests and it like designed kind of on it already. But the fact that it has its origin form is Serpentine does, I mean, okay, 
this sounds like really, really silly, but the wisp kind of part of Arceus's head, and also it's actually its tail, because nothing's really poofy about Arceus. It doesn't have like a poof attribute to it. It's more like slick and very streamlined in its design. Giratina is too, but that kind of, you could almost say that that swirl, that part of the design is kind of what lends itself to the serpentine design of uh, origin, origin form Giratina. Um, so the gold for me is obviously the biggest giveaway here of its relationship to Arceus, um, uh, that kind of thing. But obviously it not having legs, it not looking like a clear imitation of Arceus. It's not a, it's, it's a quadruped. Well, actually it's like, what's, what's the word for like six legs? Um, but anyways, um, I, I, why don't I remember? Anyways, um, it's got six legs instead of four. So technically it's not a quadrupedal in its altered form. But even then it doesn't really look like, it doesn't really look like Arceus even then, even when it is in the form that would remind you more. Um, so the thing is, is that, but it, its origin form is its origin form. That's its starting form. This is what Giratina normally looks like, right? So the thing is, is that Giratina is is like very is a very chaotic entity among these three that were originally created. So regardless of the origin myth that comes from that one book in Candlelight Library, um, the the thing to note is that, like I said before, Giratina is not mentioned in 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 the myth at all. And in Pokemon Legends Arceus, you get fragmented statues of Dialga and Palkia, respectively, in their like in the forms that we know best, not their origin forms, in the forms that we know. So my other like maybe side theory even is that Dialga and Palkia, who were potentially seen by other humans in the in the very distant past, the ancient ancestors to like the Diamond and Pearl Clan kind of thing, because they are, I believe, the indigenous groups of the Hisui region. I might be wrong. But um, the people of Jubilee Village basically all came with Kamado. So the team, Ga so Team Galaxy is a distinct entity from Diamond, the Diamond Clan and the Pearl Clan. So it's like the 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 Diamond and Pearl Clan's stakes in what happens in Hisui is a lot more personal, I think, uh, than it is for someone like Kamado, who's much more concerned with human survival. Um, whereas establishing who the almighty Sinnoh is, is a much greater concern, I think. Not, not, it's not that survival's not important, but it's like what they're kind of concerned with, what they feel is important is knowing who the almighty Sinnoh is. And that's, that's their big like debate is who is what kind of thing. Um, so, um, I, I just find that it's possible that based off of those statues, cause you find it in the Coronet Highlands, um there's there's a, this kind of plateau it's right outside the area where you face the disgruntled noble pokemon um uh and it it um it, i'm pretty sure it's it's statues of like dialga and palkia as we know them not their origin forms and if that's the case then it's like well either arceus is like i don't know though because the thing is that arceus i think has the ability to affect the appearances of these legendary Pokemon to a degree, but I don't actually think Arceus has any problems with Dialga and Palkia. Maybe, maybe it only affects them when it needs to mitigate how powerful they are, because it's also made very clear in the game that when it's revealed in this very kind of climactic 
uh, animated sequence that Dialga and Palkia have, have origin forms. Uh, you also choose, depending on the clan you choose, I think I think that also like that also determines which legendary Pokemon you will catch like formally as a part of the storyline of the game. I don't know why I failed to mention this the first time, but it's also pretty important that Pokemon Legends Arceus gives us the origin of why Spear Pillar in Diamond Pro Platinum, um, why Spear Pillar is got that name. Um, there were there was originally an actual proper temple-like structure. You had statues of the noble Pokemon, um, but when Dialga slash Palkia bust out open through tore through the dimensions and appeared before your 15-year-old self, um, it created a massive explosion at Spear Pillar. Um, in Pokemon Platinum, uh, I think this is, is this in Diamond and Pearl as well? I, I'm pretty sure it is. But in any case, in Pokemon Platinum, in, in after you beat Cyrus, I guess you could do this before you beat Cyrus, but after or before you beat Cyrus, you can actually read some of his like logs. You can read some of his notes um, on uh, the mythical poke, like the, po the legendary Pokemon in question and stuff. And I think there is mention of like an explosion that occurred historically. Now, I think that was actually, that just had something to do with creation myth, but the fact still stands that Pokemon Legends Arceus, um, whoever initiated um, the explosion at Spear Pillar, it's what led to that plateau that would later exist in the Sinnoh region um, at the peak of Mount Coronet, um, Dialga slash Palkia is responsible for that happening. Spear Pillar looks the way it does because of their emergence. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. I don't know why I have two working brain cells and failed to mention that the first time because that was the coolest thing to see happen, to actually witness the event of Spear Pillar becoming Spear Pillar because the fragmented pillars resemble um, like spears pointing towards the sky. It didn't look like that when it was a proper structure. So I'm like, this is so cool. We actually get to see what led to a site becoming ruined. I'm getting distracted. Let's get back to the main program. Uh, something like that. So when, when you find out that you actually have to battle Origin Palkia or Origin Dialga, when that battle actually happens, it's like uh, they've they've awoken and and recovered kind of their lost power in a way. Because the same thing kind of happens at Giratina, where the first time you see it, it's in its altered form, not origin form. So obviously something has affected them before in the past, and that's why they go back to their origin forms as a second phase. Um, and I, I find that really interesting. The way that the, the appearances of the legendary Pokemon that, that come in Pokemon Legends Arceus, how that actually has some implications is really interesting. So that I think about concludes my analysis on <laughs> appearances because that ended up being a lot longer than I thought it would be. Um, but now I'm gonna get into some commentary and I'm gonna go one by one because we would be here forever if I didn't do that. I've made notes. I will try my best to be concise because I, I really do try folks, I really do. We'll start off with Arceus because why not? I'm, I'm not actually going alphabetically. That's okay, it's fine. Okay, so Arceus created Dialga and Palkia um, as an image of itself. Like I said, it exp that explains the quadrupedal forms of origin Dialga and origin Palkia. Now, it is entirely possible that based off the fact that Giratina has a serpentine appearance for its origin form, either something went wrong or 
Orseus, like, it, there was an accidental aspect to the creation. So, um, or the third, there's the third route. So, so either um, it didn't create Giratina at all, um, or I guess that's still only two options. So either it didn't create Giratina at all, or if it did create Giratina, there was a, like a, there, there, like the, there was a wrench thrown in, like something, something went wrong. Um, there's the potential that Giratina is actually the leftover remnants of chaos that Orseus was born from. Remember, Orseus was born from an egg of chaos. That's what the the origin myth tells us about. Um, so we know that when uh, the world had started, Arceus was the beginning of it as the original one, and then everything else came after it, right? Um, but also the fact that Giratina doesn't actually really seem to be mentioned in there. If it's meant to represent antimatter, and they only mention matter, I feel like words are important here, you know what I mean? So it's like, if Giratina, first of all, doesn't have a statue in the Coronet Highlands or wherever that is, I think it's called like the Celeste, no, that's, that's a different location. But anyways, um, if Giratina has also, also just to note, Volo, who is the, the game's like primary human antagonist, um, he's the one who tells you about Giratina. It's pretty clear that Giratina is really concealed in the records. There are a series of uh, wall, um, wall paintings, like wall frescoes that you can find in slightly more covert locations across Hisui. None of them depict Giratina. You get like Regigigas, you get Cresselia, you get, you even get Darker, I think. Um, but you get, a, and you get a lot of the noble Pokemon. Um, Arceus appears as well, makes sense. Um, but you get, you, I don't think Giratina comes up even, or does it? And if it does, I think I, we only ever see its origin form. I might be wrong, but I, and I'll, I'll fix, I'll, I'll comment on this, I guess later if if i indeed find out i'm wrong um but i don't believe it's depicted at all but even if it is depicted first of all those wall frescoes are like really covertly located so you have to go out of your way to find it so maybe the people who originally made those they did acknowledge all the possible legendaries that have a stake in what happens in hisui but giratina and its inclusion of giratina would still make sense to them because giratina did certainly appear in the past but it just definitely feels like now, especially according to what the characters tell you, excluding Volo, you don't really hear about Giratina. So Giratina being this kind of rejected being in a way, um, it came after Arceus, it's the leftovers or something, but it, it encompasses chaos to a degree. Maybe, maybe that's why we don't get, we don't hear a whole lot about it, but also this would kind of mean that Giratina would be comparable in strength to Arceus and make them direct, like make, make it its direct competitor. It'd be a competitor to God. Um, I do find it kind of funny that I know Arceus has the ability to adopt any type um, in a normal Pokemon game. As long as you get all, all, um, all the plates and then give it to Arceus, you can make it whatever type you want to make Arceus, and that's really cool, right? But Arceus is, in its purest form, a normal type. Giratina's Ghost Dragon, so, like, it's like, I don't know, I, I find that, like, they are kind of, like, two sides of the same coin a little bit. Um, so, anyway, moving on. Um, because of Arceus's role as the trio master for both the Lake Guardians and the creation, uh, the creation trio, Giratina is still commanded over. So I think regardless of Giratina's conception, Arceus still has a stake over it. It's still able to to deal with it to a degree, but I think Arceus can only do so much. Like, 
I don't know. It's hard to explain, especially in this kind of theorizing format, to what to what degree and what exactly RCS has power over and what it itself can do, what power comes from it, and then what other things are controlled by it, or you know, it has also sovereignty over kind of thing. Like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Um, but it's like Giratina still definitely operates within RCS's realm of power. Like Giratina is is kind of like just going off on its own and is kind of making a mess of things and Arceus is watching over and making sure it doesn't get too bad but then again that also that would propose the question over again as to why human intervention is needed and that's why I'm saying it can't but let, let's get it let, we'll get we'll get into that a little bit more I think so Arceus is omniscient and omnipotent it, it knows everything and it has lots of power but it does not intervene if it doesn't have to. So if anything's happened in the past with any of, you know, with either Dialcopalkia Giratina, it ha it would not have been as bad, it would not have been as bad as what's happened in the current storyline of Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is essentially that there are these space-time rifts that are opening up in the sky and is angering the noble Pokemon that are meant to kind of be the rulers of various domains in Hisui. It's making them disgruntled and it's aggravating Pokemon as a whole. Giratina is responsible for that, folks. I'm just gonna say it here. I know we're talking about Arceus, but um, Arceus has the ability to, to a degree to do what Palkia, Dialga, and Giratina do, but in a much more limited capacity because those three are the best at, at those things. They encompass those things. Arceus no, doesn't encompass any of those things. It just remains as the creator. Um, and the thing with creators is that they kind of stop being active after a certain point. That's a common trend in, in certain mythologies. Um, but anyways, so the thing is, is that also with the myth as well, it did say that once it did its work, it basically went to sleep. I think you can actually interpret that a whole bunch of different ways because I don't strictly view that as it straight up went to bed. Like I was joking before with like, ah, I needed nap time. I don't think it could, it strictly means that it it, will, it it went to bed. I think it, it, it can be interpreted more as Arceus just taking a step back. It's done its work. It doesn't it doesn't need to do anything more um, because that's not, that's not really how creator Pokemon work. That's not really how creators work in any like origin story etiological context and things like that it's not really in the nature of the creator to be an active agent in things that happen once it's it's established the core of various things like okay well if you have someone to create earth okay great i don't need to i don't need to worry about that anymore if you've got someone to govern over space and time then obviously that's a that's much less of a concern for for a creator and also that's no longer their responsibility. So it's only going to do things if it really needs to kind of thing. It needs to be pushed. Arceus needs to be pushed to do things. So that's why I'm saying that seeking out the protagonist's help was probably because it can't stand up to Giratina. It's taken that stand back. And if we're kind of rolling with the idea that Giratina is some kind of offshoot of remnants of chaos it's the antimatter it's the it's kind of the leftover it has its own separate domain and an alternate like reality the distortion world that's that's the space that giratina governs but nothing lives there the distortion world is not a livable place and the clashing of the distortion world with the with the normal world leads to disastrous world ending consequences that is the main like 
stake in Pokemon Platinum. So not only do you have the villain team in Platinum, you also have Giratina threatening to like collide worlds. Like that's kind of crazy. Anyways, the thing is, is that with Giratina quelled, when you do the post game, because I did in fact remember that catching Giratina happens in the post game. It doesn't happen before you beat the game. Arceus is then able to rest and then allow the protagonist to quote unquote catch it so it can also see up close the world that is developed from its creation. So the thing with Arceus is that I don't think, I'm going to be completely honest, it sounds really silly to me that the god of all Pokemon would just be like, yeah, yeah just catch me now. I'll, I'll I'll be your pet. Let's let's go on a journey together. Um, that kind of a thing. I don't, I, like, it's definitely partial to you and wants you to, to do stuff, but like, it's not, I, I really don't see that playing out. So I feel like Arceus is given like a portion of its maybe soul or something like that. And then that's technically what you, what you have when you do catch Arceus or like put it on your party and things like that. Cause I don't actually think you have to go through the trouble of battling. No, you do. Oh, I'm so silly. I'm pretty sure. No, you, you do battle it. Like, what am I talking about? I remember how torturous that battle was. It was literally the worst. Oh my goodness. How could I forget that? Um, but yeah. Okay. So anyways, um, I just had that realization and then panicked over it. And then I was like, moving on. I have to get, I have to stay on track. Um, so the thing is, is that, uh, when you do eventually have Arceus, um, it's like, for me, it, it just feels really weird that, that God would just voluntarily, you know, just kind of leave the heavens and just join you on your quest to fill Pokédex, like, just for that reason. Like, so I, I think Arceus has the power to, like, you know, create a version of itself that can travel with you. It's almost like a, like a shell. Um, and then it remains in, you know, in the higher plateaus of existence or some something like that something along that concept um and and, and then it, it just oversees things that are happening because there's just no way well okay it's not like you're not catching other gods you're definitely catching Dialga and Palkia in this game so it's not like that hasn't happened but I mean I don't know anyways whatever the case Arceus is happy with how things turn out when you get the good outcome so as long as you make sure that you stop Giratina from doing what it's about to do, which is creating a whole lot of trouble and world-ending catastrophes. You just dodge that outcome and you're good. But it's clear that Arceus is kind of inactive in certain ways. Very passive, that's the word I was looking for. Passive. Arceus is a passive agent in all of this because it certainly cares about what's happening, but it doesn't, it doesn't, like, it, it needs you to make it happen. So it's like, huh. It's like you're only 15 years old in the game, like, what? I mean, that's certainly more than your 10 or 11 year old self in the other core series Pokemon game, but you know, it's only a couple years older. Oh well, you, you go on and be the super powered 15 year old that you are. Anyways, moving on to Dialga and Palkia. So Dialga as the Pokemon governing time and Palkia as the Pokemon that governs space, they were likely also, I think, omniscient viewers like Arceus. They kind of just did their thing and that's about it. But Giratina's aggravations make it so that both Pokemon behave irregularly, hence space-time rifts. So, um, Giratina is not creating the rifts itself. It's, 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 it's disgruntling Dialga and Palgia to do it. So technically, the almighty Sinnoh in question is the one stirring up the trouble because of these two Pokemon at once. 
um because you know the diamond and pearl clan respectively both believe that each of their individual individual interpretations are right but it actually it's, it's, a, it's a moot point the thing is giratina is aggravating them to behave this way and that's what's causing it it's not giratina creating the rift itself sure it can create portals to its dimension of the distortion world but that's that's not what a space-time rift is a space-time rift is specifically its own kind of thing um so that's that is what it is but the on the moot point of the almighty sinnoh is that dialga and palkia were once i think in a sense one being before arceus divided up their roles and gave them uh their separate kind of distinctions I, I i would go as far as arguing that especially considering their origin forms possessing the similarities that they do with arceus's design um i did forget to mention i think with giratina um, its origin form also doesn't have a mouth. I I, I, I I don't know why that's so important, but I had to say it. Um, moving on. So in Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, and then the remakes of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, I realized I didn't talk about the remakes a whole lot. Because um, the remakes are also like very much connected to Pokemon Legends Arceus. There's Ramanas Island in the Obsidian Fieldlands in Pokemon Legends Arceus. And then there's the Ramanas Park which replaced Pal Park in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. There's the Ramanas Park, and that's where you can catch a bunch of legendary Pokemon. Um, they do this really cool Easter egg thing where the stones needed to summon those legendary Pokemon resemble the slots, like the, the game cartridges associated with the games that they originally come from. So to get the Regis, Regirock, Regiseal, um, Regice, it's like a Game Boy cartridge for the stone that you need to stay. Anyways, I'm getting distracted. But anyways, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are actually extremely connected to Pokemon Legends Arceus because in order to get Manaphy, you need to, yeah, in order to, it's, 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 there's a quest in Pokemon Legends Arceus called the Sea Legend. Um, there is a thingamajig. There is a book in Canalave Library that tells you the exact Pokemon you need in your party in order to get Manaphy in Pokemon Legends Arceus. So it's like, they clearly made this remake with Pokemon Legends Arceus in mind, um, because obviously Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pro came out first. Um, I, so they were probably developing these games alongside each other, in which case the people at uh, at the Pokemon company and the developers that they worked with, like Ilka and stuff, all the, all the folks who worked on both of these games, well, Ilka only worked on Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pro. But anyways, the point I'm trying to make here is that these games, are definitely linked together as remakes. And I don't know why I didn't bring that up enough, but back to what I was originally saying. Oh, the digressions. So the statue in in Eterna City alludes to this history of dual interpretations of Palkia and Dialga being the, you know, one creature because like, what's it called? Um, I think it's, to be completely honest, a lot easier to tell in the pixelated version rather than in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. It's very like high def in uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. But in Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, I'll just use that example, is the statue both looks like Dialga and Palkia at once because it kind of has Dialga's head, but then it has Palkia's wings. Um, and it looks kind of quadrupedal, but it's kind of hard to tell. Um, and in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, they make it so the statue's standing up and then it has Dialga's head, but then it also has the wings again. Like they maintain those qualities. Um, so I find that really interesting. But basically the overall commentary I'm trying to make on Dialga and Palkia is they are much more to me like Groudon and Kyogre, for example, which is that they were given these roles and they kind of do their thing, but they don't really think for themselves per se, because it's like they kind of need they kind of need the balance to remain. And unlike Kyogre and uh, 
uh, Groudon, they don't really have like stones associated with them that are responsible for kind of mitigating their their um, power or their rampage or anything. It's like Dial, uh, sorry, Arceus created them, and because of their their creation role, um, it's literally space and time, right? That's a pretty big big thing to be responsible over. You know, those are two pretty big things. Uh, you know, um, if that's the case, then there's gonna be a lot less checks and balances to start, um, because uh, chaos came first, right? Arceus was born from that. Only one stage later, technically one generation later, do you get the Algapalkia and Giratina. The Algapalkia and Giratina are not that far distance from creation itself, by by virtue of being offshoots of Arceus. So it's like because they're technically not that far from a very volatile um like uh realm of creation like like there there was no creation there was nothing because that that's the chaos and then you had your your facilitator of creation which is Arceus and then you had Pokemon that were responsible for more creation and had distinct attributes for that creation space and time like that kind of a thing um there's only like you only have Arceus in between Dialga, Palkia, Giratina and then chaos like, I, I'm having a really tough time explaining this, but essentially, Dialga and Palkia, for me, this, this sounds really kind of simplified, and maybe it, it almost sounds like I went on that whole spiel about them for nothing, but they're just kind of there. So, in the game, you catch one of them, and then you battle the other, is that what happens? I'm trying to remember, it's been a while since I beat the game, because I know you have to actually battle the origin forms, um, it's really sick music. I love, love the battle music for Origin. The Elegant Palette is so good. But one of them you just kind of get by default. And again, it depends on the clan that you choose to side with. But whatever the case, um, uh, they're just kind of there. And they do need to be stopped because there's certainly a problem with them, you know, twisting dimensions and messing with time and stuff like that that's that's still a problem you got to stop them from doing the thing um but in the game you only forge one like what is it it's like it's from the from the core there's a specific pokeball that you forge and it's an origin it's it's got a name i don't know why i'm blanking so much on names and it and this is specifically why i mentioned that this just kind of this whole theory it's not that I didn't give this thought. It just kind of came out of nowhere in the sense that I was like, I really want to just do a theory on Arceus. I just really want to, so I'm going to do it because I can and no one can stop me kind of thing. But then I didn't stop to think that maybe I should like look up stuff. Um, uh, so, you know, if 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 I say, if you're confused, I'm confused. We'll, we'll, we'll just put that on the back burner, I suppose, as to what the Alka and Palkia, what, what they think you know, I'm not saying they're dumb creatures. They are intelligent. They know how to mess with you in that origin in that origin fight for sure. Um, they know exactly what to do to you in order to, to take you down. Um, and it's kind of unfair because you're just a kid throwing mud at them, you know, or snacks. Moving on is Giratina, who has. There's going to be a lot more to talk about with uh, Giratina, and kind of at the same time, I'm going to talk about Volo as well because. His relationship with Giratina is also very important in this game. So with Volo as the human antagonist of the game, Giratina is the main Pokemon protagonist. Giratina is our villain Pokemon. 
um, with Arceus, you could almost say is like the quote unquote hero. So Volo confirms that Giratina wanted to challenge Arceus. I'll be linking in the description a video of the cutscene that plays out when you beat Volo and then when he when uh, Giratina appears to fight with him. Such a great plot twist. And there's also a plot twist when the second phase of the battle happens too. So anyways, there's that. But um, uh, the thing is, is that I just as a quick aside, um, because Volo is just kind of a little crazy. It's just like, okay, you need to calm down there. Um, he's very obsessed with meeting Arceus, and he believes that doing certain things, specifically collecting all the plates in the game, will lead to him talking to, uh, lead, lead, leading to him contacting Arceus. He wants to meet Arceus. He wants to be in the face of God, essentially. And uh, the thing is, is that... Um, he knows that your place as this very expert Pokemon wielder, not trainer, wielder um, in Hisui means that people are, you're more likely to get the stuff, especially um, like, and you have all the plates, you are, you collect them. So he can't like steal it from you at any point, especially because he is pretending to be a good guy for the longest time. So in order to maintain the facade, he can't give the impression off any sooner he needed to wait until this moment to do so he's holding on to one of the plates the very last plate that you need but you need to battle him in order to get it and he says he'll do anything to take it from you now the thing is he's so obsessive in this desire to see rcs like he he and and he just kind of unravels his personality just like the facade drops and then that's when you get to really meet Volo kind of thing. But the thing is, is that it, it does, it, it can almost seem like it's coming out of left field because Volo always comes off as a bit eccentric in the game. He just can't, he just kind of seems like a really, you know, delinquent merchant. Like he's not really doing his job the best that he can, but he's like super interested in lore. So it's like, that's just, but that he just kind of gives an eccentric vibe rather than this vibe that he wants to meet God and then also destroy the world. Like it's, yeah, anyways, the thing is, is that the concept of kami, which is the Japanese word roughly that translates for deities, not gods, deities, um, kami in Shintoism are said to be numinous. And that is essentially meaning like it'll inspire religious uh, um, religious behavior and things like that, that kind of a thing. So Volo's obsessive cultic interest in Arceus, it makes sense. I have like a correction to make about Volo's behavior. It's the thing is that the uh, numinous um, is meant to like uh, suggest uh, arousing like a strong religious or spiritual quality in someone. It's like mystery and awe-inspiring are characteristics of the term. And that's just meant to uh, suggest that someone just strongly believes in the presence of a divinity. Um, so Volo, is he's kind of whack, but on the flip side, especially his false persona that we see um, throughout the game, where he's just he's he's a bit eccentric. What that's meant to reflect is that Volo's just very interested in you know the concept of deities. You could say the concept of Giratina existing and wanting to meet Arceus, wanting to get that tangible sensibility. Um, so the thing is that originally I had said that it's it's like that explains his kind of you know really obsessive behavior, but that's not quite it. Yes, he's really obsessive, but that's actually more of a character trait and less so an aspect about being numinous. So just wanted to make that clarification because it is important.
do, back to the main program. I get it. Um, but like I mentioned before, Volo's also our exposition character on like Giratina. We we learn a bit we learn more about Giratina through him because no one else is telling us anything. We're hearing a whole lot about Almighty Sinnoh, but nothing about Giratina. And you as yourself, I think I, I'm not sure if this is the case for people who've never played Diamond Pearl and Platinum, but I know for a fact that Almighty Sinnoh only ever had to contend with the concept of it either being Palkia or Dialga kind of thing. That's what the debate was over. Never does Giratina enter that dialogue. Like it's not like it didn't even like cross my mind, not in the sense that I had no idea, but it didn't cross my mind at all to think that, oh, what if Giratina's actually the almighty Sinnoh in question? There's just, that's just never gonna be the case because of what Giratina represents. So um, another thing to note about Volo is that Volo bears many visual, like aesthetic similarities to Cynthia, who is the champion of Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. And she's a wonderful character. And in Platinum, I feel like she's a much more active character. You see her pop up more than once. Her grandmother lives in Celestic Town, and there's a lot of lore that you get from her, her grandmother kind of thing. Um, she also, I think, works to monitor what happens to Team Galactic and things like that. Like she's not just sitting on her butt. And she's very rightly the strongest trainer in the entire region. Um, but the thing is, is that it's it's kind of weird that Volo, who's this like super villain, is ultimately her ancestor when she's the complete opposite. Because the person who adopts really Volo's ideology is Cyrus, not Cynthia. Um, so it's possible that while Volo probably remains to be Cynthia's ancestor in all these universes, um, this is the one universe where he goes crazy. So it's like, if we're also dealing with this notion that we are operating within multiple different universes here, and this is but one universe, it's just maybe this, just just this one, Arceus is looking at it and he's seeing that Hisui is not developing the way that Hisui developed in the other universes where everyone led to that peaceful world of coexistence. Hisui's not on that track here. And that's because you have someone like Volo who's kind of stirring up trouble where he shouldn't be kind of thing. You have someone who's disrupting the chaos and is also making it possible for Giratina to prime Dialga and Palkia to be more frenzied, to be to, to do things that is uncharacteristic of them. Um, so uh, it's, it's like Arceus itself kind of needed a human vessel to oppose Volo's inevitable summoning of Giratina because when you beat Volo, and his, like his, you beat Volo and his team, he's like, oh, don't you get this like sense in the air that something's watching us and, it, and it's here. And then Giratina lets out its cry. And then Giratina appears from behind it. Giratina is on Volo's side and it's like clearly happy. Okay, well, I wouldn't say clearly happy, but it doesn't have a problem being commanded by Volo to do things. The two are not necessarily in cahoots it's just that Giratina has happened to find someone that aligns with its own goals. Because I don't remember if I asked the question in part one, but I'll ask it again here. What are Giratina's motivations? What does, if, if Giratina is our Pokemon, like, sorry, Pokemon antagonist, what does Giratina want? What is Giratina out here to do? If Arceus is desperate to stop it from doing what it's doing, what is what what's what background can we give to Giratina? So just to talk about Giratina a bit more now, because I, I feel like I needed to go on the Volo spiel. 
we're done with the Volo spiel. So Giratina switches to its origin form after it has been defeated in its altered form. So that's the surprise second plot twist where it's like, okay, well, first you have Volo being the actual bad guy the literal entire game. And then he has a team and then you beat his team. Also happens to be the same team as Cynthia's team. You beat his team and then he was like, well, crap, but it's okay because I will. I am still determined to beat you, child. Um. Oh yeah, uh, Satan's here. So when Giratina appears from the distortion world, it's in its altered form. If Giratina was altered to begin with, that means that, at least to me, that Arceus has already gone through the trouble of restricting Giratina's powers, kind of in the way that I was trying to talk about before, that Palkia and Dialga statues in, in the Coronet Highlands, um, they're fragmented, but it looks like the forms that, you know, were originally introduced when they were first introduced even into the franchise, like not their origin forms, right? So it's like Arceus has already kind of been mediating them already, but it's not working. Um, he created—that's what I mean when it's like Arceus created monsters. It created things beyond its own control, and I think Arceus, as a creator, is fine not having complete control so long as they do things right. But you can't control something like Garatina, and you certainly can't stop it from being this chaotic. I don't think that's what Pokemon Legends Arceus has told me. Um, now, fun fact, stat-wise, Altered Form Giratina has lower attack and lowered special attack compared to its Origin Form. So it is actually true that Origin Form Giratina is better than Altered Form Giratina. That's why I think like whenever you do see anyone use a Giratina, it's always in its Origin Form. Like just from that technical gameplay standpoint, like Origin Form Giratina obviously can't take as good a hit technically as Altered Form Giratina, but it's like, it's it's the Origin Form, so it definitely hits harder. Um, but so the thing is that what I think, and this is what I was touching on before, right, is that Giratina is not able to command the other domains of space and time, but it has the power to affect them adversely as a being of antimatter. So because it resides in the distortion world and it has it has always had the ability to make the worlds collide, it just needs something to help facilitate that. What happens in Pokemon Platinum is you had um, Cyrus get the red chain forged and he also imprisoned Azul Vuxi Mesprit. He formed the red chain in order to open up the portal to, uh, um, to summon Palkia and Dialga to be under his control so he could wipe the world clean and hit the reset button. But Giratina reacted to that Giratina didn't just sit back and do nothing when that happens in Pokemon Platinum. Um, Giratina emerges from uh, the, the distortion world, sucks Cyrus into the distortion world, you run in after him with Cynthia, and whatever. You, you eventually make your way over to defeat Cyrus and then make your way over to Giratina. So the thing is, is that Giratina wasn't immediately threatening to merge the merge the, the two worlds together and do a version of what Cyrus was technically intending to do, but with much worse consequences, if that was even possible. Because I think what Cyrus was trying to do was also pretty bad. Like it's world ending regardless of the options you've got here. But the fact is, is that it wasn't until like, what's it called? He, he reacted to Dialga and Palkia being summoned that way, forcibly against their will um being summoned that way and then it makes its appearance surprise attack that kind of a thing um so it waited it waited for the opportunity to strike 
Um, and also, it came out of Spear Pillar. Um, so, as it does in Pokemon Legends Arceus, it makes the most sense, obviously, but it's like, technically Arceus is located on the plane just above Spear Pillar, so like, they're all there. They're all there. Um, when you, that, and when you free the late guardians in the game, um, they intervene to break the red chain, so or something like that. I forget exactly how it plays out because I do know that by free by freeing the Lake Guardians, um, they also step up. Like they're not just sitting around on their butts either. Um, so basically, all the core legendary Pokemon are active when Giratina is starting to stir up trouble. Um, it, it's it's very interesting. It's very very interesting. Um, and also, it's like if we're kind of if we're gonna kind of talk about Giratina's motivations, um, obviously, I like okay. Why am I using the word obviously? Because none of this is obvious, and all of this is just interpretation. If it wasn't already clear, this is all my own opinion. I formed these theories um, after doing a lot of reading, and also link like reading all the links that I'm gonna put in the description, playing through these games, because. Um, uh, it's it's just a long process and a lot to work out, which is why I'm forgetting all these minor details. But Giratina's motivations, I think, directly stems from its conflict with Arceus. So, for whatever reason, Giratina is is just an extremely volatile creation of Arceus. Like that's why there's that that the sense that something went wrong when uh, Giratina was created or even if something didn't go wrong it's just the way that Giratina ended up being that's become a problem because it's definitely the most volatile of the of of the three that Arceus created if you were to make the comparison back again to Groudon, Kyogre and Rayquaza Rayquaza like I've mentioned more than once now was like an arbiter to Kyogre and Groudon. It specifically was responsible for swooping in and telling them to stop fighting. But Arceus being the master, the trio master for two different trios and things like that, and it just being like, you know, the creator Pokemon itself. Um, the thing is that with Giratina, technically, there's actually some official artwork. I'll see if I can find it and link it in the, uh, link it in the, in the description. But there's, I think it was for Platinum that this artwork was done. I'm trying to remember. But it shows a shot of Dialga and Palkia standing up to Arceus, sorry, not Arceus, standing up to Giratina um, as it emerges from that spot spear pillar type of thing. Um, so it's like very clear that Giratina is nothing like Rayquaza, for example. It's not an arbiter. It's not there to intervene if something goes wrong between Dialga and Palkia. It's here to just stir up more trouble. So whatever its motivations are, it's 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 to make sure the antimatter, the distortion world, is the dominant world, not the world that we've got on like we have currently functioning. So Arceus wants to see it through that the world that was originally created. Um, where humans eventually live on the land with Pokemon and they coexist, that's the world that Arceus is trying to maintain. That's antithetical to Giratina wanting basically the distortion, like to, the worlds to be flipped upside down. The distortion world becomes the dominant world instead. Darkness, you know? He's an edgy one. That, that's, that's, that's our favorite ghost dragon, folks. So now in this next section, because that was my kind of commentary on the Pokemon themselves, and there are specific rules within uh, the Pokemon uh, universe, you could say. Now I want to make some connection to actual gods slash deities, um, mostly relating to the Japanese mythological canon, um, 
which is dominated by Shintoism. So I'll do what I did with the other Pokemon, which is I'll go in order again. So the thing is, is that with um, Arceus, is that I think there's a pretty clear linkage to Amaterasu, um, as they are both kind of creators and central to their mythologies. So both of them created islands slash regions. Um, and even as a side note, uh, Arceus, according to Bulbapedia, created the Ransai region. Ran Ransai. Ran Ransai. Ransai region in Pokemon Conquest, which was re uh, released on the Nintendo DS. And I think that's a much more obscure Pokemon game. Um, but it created the Ransai region, um, which looks, the island itself looks a lot like Arceus. So I'm like, okay, I see it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so both. Arceus and Amaterasu who have very similar rules. And the reason why I was using like the halo before is it, it does kind of remind me of the sun. And there is this not, I wouldn't say light is a defining attribute of Arceus, but as a creator, I'm like, I can kind of see it. Other deities being siblings or related to them continues to position them as creators or proto beings in respect in uh, in respect to other deities. So it's like they're at the center, and then everyone else is related to them. But it starts with them. That so they both share that similarity. And according to the Nihon Shoki, uh, heaven and earth were were born separately from chaos. So Arceus's birth would also precede humanity based on this on this Shinto interpretation. So if we were to use that aspect of mythology from the Nihon Shoki, uh, Shoki then um, uh, heaven and earth are the two dominant spheres, right, of living. Um, but then we have this added sphere, if we bring in the Pokemon lore, we have the added sphere of the distortion world, Giratina's domain. Um, so that that is gonna, that would congeal different realities and make a mess of everything, literally. So uh, there's that. Then um, obviously the origin story presented in the Canalave library, that does bear similarities to Shintoism, specifically relating to uh, the Kuni no Tokotachi, who, were, uh, who was one of two gods born when the world was still chaotic. So it's like, there's, there's this other kind of interpretation you could have to that origin myth in that there's also associated with the uh, Kuni no Tokotachi is this idea of um, uh, a reed coming out from the soil, so life being born from like the earth type of thing, starting with this deity. Um, and that does bear some similarities to the nature of Arceus's uh, you could say, start. Um, in Greek mythology, this is a slightly more, I guess you could say, obscure comparison, and it would definitely be like more down the line. It's a lot more generational. Um, the thing is, is that they're uh, just in general for all four of these legendary Pokemon. So chaos comes first, and then from chaos come the four proto-gods. We have Tartarus, um, Gaia, uh, basically Mother Earth, um, Nyx uh, or Erebus and then Eros. So Eros governed over love. Gaia, like I said, Earth Mother, Tartarus, that was like it's this being that became an imprisonment for other gods and it itself, uh, it, it was just kind of there. Very chaotic proto-god type of thing, but it's not it, it, because it, it doesn't have like, it doesn't have children, so I don't know. So while Tartarus is actually in fact Gaia's polar opposite, it bore no children of its own, like I said, but with that said, um, Gaia is still linked to the children of Nyx and Erebus, with Erebus also being the knight of Tartarus, so that, that's also a thing. Gaia gave birth to Ergia, who's the god of laziness, um, 
and uh, Ergia had many other gods um, with Ether and Hemera at once. Hemera represents day. Um, of these children included Eris, the goddess of discord, which suggests to a degree that much like the relationship between Arceus and Giratina, the creator is very much linked to these more volatile beings. So the fact that, like, if we're going along with the theory that Arceus did in fact create Giratina, and Giratina just decided to be as volatile as it is, it's like, uh, because I definitely think Giratina was made last. I think Arceus was like, oh, look, this is uh, Giratina, nice. How are you doing, buddy? And then Giratina is just like, I'm just going to make your life very stressful. And then Arceus is like, ah, what have I done? Kind of like, I feel like maybe that's how like that that relationship is like, because um, the connection I was trying to make, especially with Eris, like I had to go down the line. I need to explain, oh, well, Eris is the child of Urgia and Ether and Hemera kind of thing. Like I need to go through the lineage. Um, but the, the point I'm trying to make is that also Eris is a very volatile goddess. She create she was said she's basically one of the insiders of the Trojan War in, in Greek mythology um, and Greek storytelling, and that was a pretty big deal um culturally, mythologically, um, historically, I suppose. Like there's there's that aspect as well. Um so that behavior reminds me a lot of what Giratina is doing now, which is that, I mean, okay, the fact is that Eris kind of just did things because she could, but Giratina, I think, has the active goal of trying to reverse the worlds in that um, the normal world is, no, like, ceases to exist, and the distortion world, its realm, takes over. Um, so if we're going to talk about Dialga and Palkia now, I think with them, it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward with them, because like I've said more than once now, they were both created in the image of um, Arceus and were respectively responsible for controlling time and space. Um, however, because I think that to a degree they they kind of they they have their rules to perform, but they don't necessarily have the ability to stop something from affecting them. They are reactive to those external forces, namely Giratina's more volatile behavior. Because there is a relationship between Dialgopalgia and Giratina. They all are related in a way. Um, that kind of a thing. It is possible that Dialga and Palkir may be based on Izanami and Izanagi, who were creator deities um, that walked the Ame no Ukihashi, or the floating bridge of heaven. Um, so there's there's that aspect of what as well. Um, Izanami and Izanagi, they're both very, very chaotic, but they were said to be creators. And in the case of Izanami, she was uh, said to be like related to to death as well um so i don't know that maybe just in in this kind of you could say like etiological and almost familial way that it's like on some level dialga and palkia are also like not i don't want to use the language of predisposed because then it just makes it sound like dialga and palkia are really easy to aggravate um but maybe partially predisposed to being just disgruntled like that being pushed to a point where suddenly they are acting abnormally as well. Um, maybe something about that aspect of it, if if indeed I'm making this comparison to these actual Japanese deities, that there like that linkage is there. And that kind of explains, you know, that Dialga and Palkia also going off the rails and starting space-time rifts. Um, that kind of a thing. Um, now uh they it is also said that they churned out the sea using the um Ame no Nuhoko, or Heavenly Spear. Um, uh, 
churned out the sea. It's a very interesting sentence. Um, so the thing is, is that, I mean, the origin myth in the book in Cantilave Library, never thought I'd be mentioning that book so many times. Um, but in that book, the origin myth says that time came first and then space. But I mean, Palkia is a water dragon type Pokemon, water, the sea. I don't know if like I'm just taking this connection a bit too far, but I do find it interesting that technically we do have these two Pokemon that are linked to one another, um, like inextricably as well. Now, to be fair, when Iza Izanami dies, uh, I'm pretty sure that's where the connection to Dialga, like the comparison between Izanami and Izanagi, um, stops with with Dialga and Palkia. Like, I, it's. It's, I mean, it's an interesting read for sure. I definitely recommend it, but I, I also think the comparison stops when she dies, like in any, that sounds kind of grim, but oh well. Um, then we get over to Giratina. And this is where I think a lot of, I guess these references to Shintoism actually might be a lot, uh, be very strong because I think in the case of Dialga and Palkia, it really could have been like any Pokemon that could have quadrupedal features or even dinosaur features, draconic features, um, in order to resemble Arceus and whatever they governed over. It just had to make sense in the aspect of creation. It really, it, I, th I think the rules of Dialga and Palkia could have been a little bit arbitrary um, in a sense, but definitely with Giratina, a lot of things feel very intentional to me. So Giratina shares some similarities with Tsukuyomi no Mikoto, who was the moon god, and is also characterized as a trickster god. Again, adding to this narrative of it being very volatile. Now, after um, Tsukuyomi killed the god of food, there are reasons for this, but oh well, we'll just leave it at that. After killing the god of food, Amaterasu refused to ever see Tsukuyomi, explaining why the sun and moon never appear at once, because Amaterasu is representative of the sun, Tsukuyomi, the moon, you know? So the two deities, um, they are they are in this direct conflict at each other, and that's the mythological explanation as to why the sun and moon appear at two different times of the day, uh, that kind of a thing. But interestingly, the two deities are also presented as siblings. That's, I think, what was affecting my interpretation that Giratina might just be in like whatever's left over from the chaos that once existed. It's like that last little bit of, of chaos that was just left over before the world had fully formed came up Giratina. That might also be possible because that would position Tsukuyomi as being on a similar primordial plane as Amaterasu, and not Amaterasu strictly being a creator for every other deity that followed, or having a cre uh, an etiological role for the other deities. It's not so much that Tsukuyomi came from Amaterasu, if this is the case, right? So um, I find that really interesting. Um, also, uh, this could this this could imply like that fundamental conflict of Pokemon Legends Arceus is that it's between Arceus and Giratina. That's why I was saying before that it's like, well, Volo's your human protagonist, but Giratina's your ant, like your Pokemon. Sorry, I'm confusing protagonist and antagonist. I don't know why I'm doing that so much, but Volo is your human antagonist and Giratina's your Pokemon antagonist, right? This is kind of why. Maybe this this connection for Amaterasu and then Tsukuyomi, maybe this is it. Um, and because Kami, are like i said they before they are numinous but kami are also kind of reflective 
um, and appear to parallel human behavior a bit. So I'm going to pull this. This is actually from Wikipedia, so you can read it for yourself. But I'm going to read part of the spiel here. So in Shinto, kami are not separate from nature, but are of nature, possessing positive and negative and good and evil characteristics. They are manifestations of musubi, the interconnecting energy of the universe, and are considered exemplary of what humanity should strive towards. So that is also why I think that in Pokemon Platinum, it's basically the same, which is that Giratina was waiting for the right opportunity to strike, but also you happen to have someone here who's just as volatile as Giratina. You had um, in Pokemon Platinum, you have Cyrus driving that, that driving the story forward and mate and forcing this scenario where Giratina can appear. Um, but in the case of Pokemon Legends Arceus, it's Volo who's who's there and is pushing for Giratina to come. Um, it's it, it's almost like Volo like invoked invoked Giratina's presence. But if we are to consider that Kami can have good and evil characteristics and that they are also just kind of linked with energy and the nature of the world itself like it's not so there, there's there's a lot more ephemerality to it um there's a lot it, this isn't a very this isn't very tangible in terms of how you conceptualize this of course with pokemon it's very straightforward when something's a creature right so there's a lot of tangibility when it comes to pokemon itself but the thing is is that with this concept of kami and making these comparisons to these legendary pokemon if we consider that i think that also does affect these the legendary pokemon dynamics because again the cutscene is really cool and kind of scary because when you're going through the game you realize you now have to fight like giratina and it's like stressful but the way that it's shot in the game i do really love how they do it where you got volo and he's got this nasty smirk on his face and then from this like you know void comes giratina and it just comes from behind volo and it is ready to make a mess of things you can see it on its face it's happy to be here and it knows what it's doing you know it's almost it's, it's a little bit diabolical you know it's like wow giratina you're kind of evil a little bit just a little bit i don't maybe it's more than a little bit i don't know i'm just i i really like the pokemon to be completely honest like just from a gameplay standpoint i suppose i don't know um a lot of um what this uh these discussions centered around Shintoism are based on are the Nihon Shoki and the Kojiki, which were the two primary texts that centered a lot of Japanese mythology and creation. But the creation also specifically had to deal with um, the origins of imperial families, the creation of the islands, because um, Japan's an archipelago, and uh, like things like that. So there's also some a lot more human characteristics to some of the deities, which don't necessarily contend strictly with nature. Like you do have a god, uh, like, oh, sorry, not god. You do have a deity representative of medicine, for example, that kind of thing, which is definitely more tangible. Um, but um, so this comparison and this reflection of human characteristics, that's also pretty, like, that's a thing in, in Shintoism, but I can kind of see it in Pokemon Legends Arceus. It's definitely here to, to a degree. Um, and I do also think that Giratina definitely thought it would win against you. Like the way that the game works out is that you have to beat Giratina in order to make progress in its second phase. Also, the game doesn't heal you. So if you know your team is total, then you're definitely gonna lose and you have to do the Volo fight all over again. And it's great. Although I never had to do it because I beat it for the, I beat it on the first try. And I was like, thank God, because I do not want to do this over again. It was tough though, it was very tough, but Giratina definitely feels a lot more knowing than Dialga and Palkia. It's like it knows what it's doing. It's like it's like it's like a it's like a dinosaur. It's like a velociraptor. It's like a smart creature, you know?
sorry, sorry about that, folks. So anyways, what I was trying to say is that I think its intelligence is uh, comparable to uh, Arceus's in a lot of ways. That again, this this feeling, this 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 feeling that Arceus and Giratina are on like two sides of the same coin kind of feeling, like it definitely feels like it's there. And I, I know I, I need to dig a whole lot more into this uh, into this theorizing and things like that to, to flesh this out a whole lot more. But the goal of this episode was not necessarily to present to you, the listener. If you've made it this far, I applaud you. And I also thank you because it's a lot of rambling to listen to, lots of digressions. I understand that. Um, the thing is, we made it this far, so I feel like it's important to acknowledge, you know, what are Arceus's motivations then? Um, if we take all these factors into consideration, then it is that Ar- Arceus is uh, cognizant of the fact that it does not have superiority over space and time in comparison to Dialga and Palkia. So if Dialga and Palkia do something, and that, and that creates a problem, Arceus's intervention is not as straightforward. It it will it will have to there there will be some some kinks it needs to smooth out, and one of that required you as the player to to appear and to stop the human problem and the Pokemon problem, because it is happening both at once. You have Volo who's trying to stir up the trouble very subtly, but then you have Giratina in the background very actively aggravating Pokemon everywhere really, um, and causing Dialga and Palkia to behave uncharacteristically. So with with that all being the case, then the Arceus's motivations is stemmed in this desire to quell Giratina, I think. Um, but because I'm talking about Arceus's motivation, specifically in the context of Pokemon Legends Arceus, and uh, the you know how that contends with Giratina and things like that, this isn't uh, like the motivations themselves. I think are limited to this Hisui. It's limited to this game, this universe, this timeline, this world, whatever you want to say. I think that's what's happening here. This is not what's motivating everything else in all the other universes or, you know, the legendary tree that extends below in terms of creation after the events that transpire in Hisui in this way. It's not specifically like that. It's like, these are Arceus's, this is what Arceus wants to accomplish now in the present, in the in the storyline of Pokemon Legends Arceus. And that's specifically why in this episode, I framed it as me talking about this theory in the context of Pokemon Legends Arceus and not the Pokemon franchise as a whole, because um, that that would be a, a, a separate discussion, I think, and there'd be a lot more going on. Now, I will say that all these connections to Shintoism, or potential connections to uh, Shintoism, I should say, um, there's definitely, for me at least, a lot of like a lot of really clear similarities, um, especially in the cases of Arceus and Giratina, respectively. Like, they just, they they seem very connected to the themes of Shintoism. Um, and with that being the case, it's like, that would be applicable to other Pokemon lore. It would be applicable to the rest of Legendary Pokemon in existence, because then that can kind of explain the trajectory of other Legendary Pokemon. And the fact that we have the forces of nature, which do appear in this game, and are also actually explicitly based off of, like, actual Kami like Raijin and things like that for Thunderous, like that's also a thing. Um, and I did bring up, I believe in my ranking Hisui and Pokemon episode, I do bring up the Chinese uh, influence that is also partially uh, 
what is it, entrenched in the concept of the forces of nature, um, because you have uh, Tornadus, Thunderous, Landorus, and then introduced in Pokemon Legends Arceus, Enamorous. So also, you know, Enamorous, Eros, love, that type of thing. Anyways, um, I'm getting distracted again. Uh, but the thing is, is that uh, uh, they're all also Shinto deities as well. I'm just not mentioning everyone by name because there's a lot of names and I don't feel like throwing more names at you. Um, but the thing is, is that, uh, you know, that's, that's another thing where the forces of nature, I think they definitely come in a lot sooner in terms of creation because, because of the comparisons to Kami themselves, um, because of the way that, you know, the relationship with nature and things like that. They also appear in the Generation 5 games, which is the generation that comes directly after Generation 4. Some of these things do not feel like an accident, folks. And it is really interesting to make these connections. Um, but to conclude with this section in particular, um, that just ended up lending itself to an entire part two of an episode, um, is that with the dynamics of legendary Pokemon, they're very heavily complicated by this conflict between Arceus and Giratina. Because I think no matter the universe, Arceus and Giratina are having some kind of conflict, but for whatever reason, Giratina in maybe other timelines, other universes, it's not stirring up trouble in this way. It's not doing it in a way that Arceus can't mediate the, the damage or can't stop the human progress that's being made that lead to the to the end result of humans and Pokemon coexisting. Giratina, for whatever reason, in the plotline of Pokemon Legends Arceus has decided to be extremely volatile, and that's the universe that we're working with. And then, as I've been kind of mentioning throughout this entire episode, is that multiple universes exist, you know? It's like Pokemon X and Y and Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, they come from the same timeline. Um, Sun and Moon, but Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon come from different timelines, for example. Um, uh, Cause yeah, they do come from separate timelines. I had to like make sure I said that correctly. Um, but then also we have, we have the Galarian birds. We have uh, Galarian forms of uh, Articuno, Zapdos and Moltres in uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. This was brought up in the DLC, but the Pokedex entries for each of those birds kind of gives the indication that the Galarian birds came first. So then it's like, there's a lot of different things that are happening in certain Pokemon games where it definitely lends itself to the idea that we are de we are dealing with multiple different timelines or multiple different universes, if you will. Um, so that was obviously a lot of ideas to throw around in one episode. Thank you for being patient, first of all. Thank you, folks. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to officially conclude here. This is the lore research last findings on Arceus's motivations and a whole lot more. Oh my goodness, and a whole lot more from Pokemon Legends Arceus. So thank you again for tuning in, folks. And I'll see you next time.